Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. The issue of derelict pro- uh, properties obvious all over the length and breadth of the country. We have them in every rural and urban area, some of them in pieces, others that perhaps maybe could be fixed up with minimal effort. But given that we've got supply issues and a housing crisis, surely there's some way we can try and marry the two. Holly Cairns, Social Democrat TD, is with us on the line today because, Holly, you're actually going to do a tour of the derelict buildings around Cork tomorrow. Why is that? Yeah, so the co-leaders of the Social Democrats, Roisin Shorthold and Catherine Murphy, are both coming to Cork tomorrow. Um, and basically, our aim is to raise awareness around vacancy and dereliction and really to highlight that it's such a national issue. And ultimately to highlight that now we're at a stage where houses are being left rotting when we're in a housing crisis. But to the extent that they've actually become a public health risk instead of what they could be, which is the public good. And, you know, we're, gonna, we're looking at Cork as an example and... We know that Frank O'Connor has done incredible work in raising awareness around the travesty of Cork in and of itself. So that he has estimated that there's 700 vacant and derelict homes identified by him and Jude Sherry within a two kilometre radius of the city. But it was estimated there are 9,400 vacant homes and 1,448 derelict units in Cork County. So the Cork has a vacancy rate of 4.1% and 6.3% derelict housing units for every 1,000 properties, yet less than 200 properties have been repurposed by Cork City and County Councils in the last Mm. four years through government schemes. So we want to highlight the scale of this. It's gone from, the, the housing crisis in and of itself has gone from crisis to disaster. And at this stage, it's immoral to sit on empty homes when we know that there's been a 47% increase in child homelessness in the last year alone. There are now 3,220 children um, who are homeless and living in emergency accommodation. In total, a record 10,805 people who are homeless across the state. That's up 32% in the last year. And we know that these figures are an underestimate because they don't include people who are still forced to live at home, people on the streets, people who are couch surfing, people trapped in direct provision and people who live in refuges. And like we're at a stage now, it was 2014 when Fine Gael announced a housing emergency. In 2015, Fine Gael said that they would introduce a vacancy and dereliction tax. Seven years later, it looks like we're getting that, you know, with our budget. But it's blatantly a really, really mm. ineffective But sure, one. we've had the, the vacant site levy. I mean, like we've had that and we've what? Is there still, did I read this morning about 20 million or something was owed earlier this year to, 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 uh, to Dublin City Council? Outstanding. It hasn't been pursued and that's like a, a well-recorded issue that local authorities haven't been going after this. But in the budget, they introduced a 0.3% tax on on vacant and derelict homes. And like, Andrea, this is just such a blatantly lame attempt. Do you know when house price inflation is at 8 or 10% and it's changing, but to introduce then mm. a tax of that, it's that's like saying to people who are sitting on these properties who have been for a long time, Here's a little nudge into kind of, you know, selling this or turning it into housing accommodation. That, like that is not what we need when the housing crisis is at this scale. We need a, a tax with teeth that will actually result in these vacant and derelict homes. So what would you put it at then? 10% was in our alternative budget. 10. So that's seven, isn't it? Isn't that what the, it, it's increasing to? No, 0.3. 0.3. 
<laughs> point three, I can't tell you how pathetic it is. When, when we, you know, there's so many homes and there's also kind of a public realm issue to this as well. And it's not at all as urgent or as important as the housing crisis, but like this has had a really big impact on Cork City, the amount of vacant and derelict buildings, the feeling on the high street, the community spirit, not to mention in towns and villages, like in, in West Cork where I'm from, one like vacant or derelict building has a really big impact on the high street in a small mm. town or in a little village. And yet and probably like, with some incentive, you'd have endless amounts of people maybe looking to, to take it. Absolutely. And like, for one, it's, it provides desperately needed housing. And for two, it really kind of breathes life back into our towns and villages and we need that. Brendan O'Sullivan-Holly is with us as well. Brendan is from um, the, the University of College Cork, their planning school. Brendan, like, given your own professional background, how do you solve dereliction in the city? Well, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the work that's been done by Derelict Ireland by raising the issue because it's so important that pressure is put on public authorities and others and raising awareness among the community about this particular issue. Um, for me, the, there is a slight danger on focusing on the individual properties or in groups of properties um, and trying to solve them one by one, as it were. You know, it, it'd be a bit like attacking COVID patient by patient. Um, I think to some extent um, we need to zoom out a little bit and look at the city and the city region as a whole um, and to see what are the factors that are causing things like dereliction to be happening in our cities and town centres. Um, that aren't actually located in the city and town centres. So, for example, if you think about a street that's suffering from some dereliction, in many cases, one of the triggers may have been um, that a retailer has left that street and moved to the outskirts of the city or town, um, and thereby the other owners in the street will start to lose confidence in the investment in their properties and things will mm. go on a bit of a downward cycle. And the opposite happens as well. If you get one one really successful key site or building on a street that is renovated or brought back into use in some imaginative way, sometimes maybe through the arts or something else, then everybody else gets a little bit of confidence and invests in their buildings. But if there's a, if there's a sort of a overall gloom among the, in the property market about a particular place, um, then this, this vicious cycle can kick in. Um, and I, I think um, like the points that are made uh, by Deputy Cairns are really re- well made. The housing crisis is a very, very real crisis. Um, and, you, you know, if if our only weapon for dealing with it is to tax or to put in penalties on people who own properties to bring them into the market, I think we're really not playing a, a very sophisticated game if that's the only thing we can do. I mean, so what when, else when, could we do, Brandon? Well, for example, like when, when local authorities, and they often get a bashing, <laughs> when local authorities and public authorities and, and, and housing associations are properly funded, they can do extremely good work. Um, site by site, building by building. Um, but they're not well funded. Like I remember in the 1980s in Cork, for example, um, when we also had a dereliction problem, and dereliction of vacancy has been around quite a long time. Um, but it, what the city council used to do is it would acquire a derelict building. It would use a tiny bit of seed money to do the building up, restore it, put it back on the market or rent it. And from the rental mm-hmm. income or for the selling income, they would then buy another building do it up, restore it, put it on the market. And this revol- very modest revolving fund has kept two streets in Cork City going, Margaret Street and Merrick Street, extremely good examples. People don't notice it because it's happening in the background, but the city had to find the funding and do it itself. Um, and that's, that's really the, the crucial thing. Uh, we, we took our master's students to Liverpool two weeks ago to look at, at, at this, the, the renovation work going on in that city. 
Um, and the way that waves of renewal have gone on there um, decade after decade, um, you can see that the most successful solutions to these things are, yes, by all means, encourage the private sector to do what it does and property build owners to do what they do best. Um, but to properly fund the public authorities and the housing associations in particular to take take this by the scruff of the neck and, ma- and make it happen. Uh, Holly, uh, the, the fact that we've already got the details from the budget um, and that's obviously due to come into place, but like... Is there any chance of changing anything? In the, I mean, the, the thing about this, I suppose, is that it, there's no quick solution to it. Yeah, and I agree with Brendan that it definitely can't be our only tool to tackle vacancy and dereliction. Um, I think it's an important one and an obvious one. And there's, you know, environmental benefits of um, repurposing and refurbishing existing vacant and derelict homes instead of building. But we need both. And like Brendan's right, we need more social and affordable homes. We need to, you know, invent uh, end things like favourable treatment for investment funds. There's there's a lot that needs to be done, but we're not on track for that. Like the Cabinet mm. the Housing Subcommittee were briefed recently told we won't be meeting any of our housing targets this year. And like, I also think Brenda made a really good point in terms of like people leaving buildings in the city and then also speaking about the kind of responsibility of the local authorities. And I would agree that they need to be funded more. More power to local government always has a really positive impact. But also we need to look at the decisions that our local authorities are making and the profound impact that that has on the city. Because I was actually in Cork County Council for a really brief amount of time. But that example you gave, Brendan, of people maybe leaving the inner city and moving their business Mm. to the outskirts. And we have to look at why does that happen? And like when I was in Cork County Council, it almost seemed as though the county council was working against the city council. So they had these plans that they wanted, like a new Kildare Village style retail outlet outside of the city in the east of the county. And like, what does that do? You provide really much more affordable, much cheaper um, stuff than what's been sold in the city outside of the city, not environmentally friendly for one, because there's no train or anything going out to that area. And then all of the shops say, if you're selling things like, if you have a, a clothes shop in the city, and then you can go out to Kildare Village and get it for cheaper. Well, then you see those shops pulling out of the city. The knock-on effects of the decisions yeah, that the local authority the make, they need to be monitored. The, and like that, they, they, they could have been focusing on vacancy and dereliction for a long time. And it doesn't seem to happen with our local authorities. Harry so, is t- text in to say the way to bring derelict properties back is to incent- incentivise investors through tax breaks. Do you agree, Brandon? Um, investors are very heavily incentivized in many levels already. Um, and so investors, and, and it's great that people are investing in city centers, but they're building student accommodation. They're building speculative office buildings. They're not building homes by and large at the moment. Um, so it's great that there's a pivot towards city centers. Super. Um, but really what, what, what Holly is talking about and what I'm talking about really is, is the community re- requirements. And, you, you know, to, 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 to just to reiterate what was said, um, bearing in mind that every city council and every county council in this country has reviewed its county or city development plan in the last few months. Um, it's come to the end. There's some very good policies, very proactive ideas in those plans um, for cities and town centres. But what we haven't joined up is the other policies that are creeping in for the edge of towns and the out of yeah, towns. And when okay. jobs move out of towns, that makes an, an arc-on effect. And I think you know, people might grumble about the Office of the Planning Regulator and the Minister wading in and telling councils to change their plans. 
Um, but it's for these very good reasons. Yeah, absolutely. You and know. sure, that's the, the talk then. And Holly outlined the number of derelict buildings uh, within the city centre area there of Cork as well. Brendan O'Sullivan, head of the University of College Cork's Planning School and uh, Social Democrat TD Holly Kearns, thanks for joining us here on the programme today. Are derelict buildings an issue in your town or village across the country? Uh, let us know today. 53106 is the text line number. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.